0: Hi, I'm Annie A.K.
1: And I'm Melissa. And you may have noticed that we are missing one Matt. He is out sick this week, but he should be back recording with us next week.
0: Miss you, buddy. Today, we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us together, we are watching AMC's Mad Men trying to answer the question, Is it Still Great Bob? This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 11, Indian Summer, written by Tom Palmer and Matthew Weiner, directed by Tim Hunter. The show, This episode originally aired on October 4th, 2007.
1: Number one at the box office that week remained The Game Plan. At number two was a new release, The Heartbreak Kid, starring Ben Stiller, Malin Ackerman, and Michelle Monaghan, a remake of the 1972 film directed by Elaine May. Rounding up the top three is The Kingdom. The hit song that week, after losing the top spot last week to Stronger, Crank That by Soldier Boy is back at number one. Oh, Lord.
0: <laughs> so, in this episode... Temperatures are up. Peggy test drives a new product. Roger is back, but not really. Don is doing super well. And Betty is increasingly restless. It was a packed episode. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, it really was. Um, Matt had... Message us early in the week and said, you know, let me know when you both had watched this episode. So I took <laughs> that as an invitation to uh, live react to the episode with him. So our text <laughs> thread is just a string of me in all caps <laughs> as this episode unfolded. We kind of yelling about it to Matt, and he responded to like, I don't know, like every fifth message.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all caps yelling and I don't know repeatedly is the best reaction you could have to this entire thing
1: yeah but the thing is it's like while so much of this episode is awful and i hate every boy um i love every girl all the women in this episode are great and they're doing great and there's certainly like, a- shout out them there was a good balance i think of things that were making me mad and things that I was really happy about in this episode.
0: There's definitely a nice balance of, like, I think the women getting to be not perfect and kind of dumb. But also just like, yay, you. I'm with you all the way. But eh, I will give the men some credit. There was, like, tiny, 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 tiny moments where <laughs> I'm like, okay, right now we're okay. We're fine. Yeah. yeah. And we will cover them. But uh, first, when we open, we start with this somewhat familiar face but minus things like joy and hope and that certain brightness and so the first when we first met this young man and it's Adam
1: yeah he's looking really rough he's not been having a good time with his you no know,
0: everything about him just seems like he's melting almost in a bad way oh yeah I I honestly didn't recognize him at first it took me like a, a good couple of seconds and you just knew things aren't going well at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't really anticipate how bad things were going until we kind of um you know, there's nothing to spoil but it still hurts to say it until we get the scene of him, you know, hanging himself.
0: Yeah, there's like the moment when he started withdrawing the large piles of money started going, Oh, oh no. Wait, oh no, but they cut so quickly to him in the chair and without like any hesitation, he just goes for it and it's a shocking opening I think and a uh, heartbreaking but you're almost like too shocked to react at first
1: yeah and I didn't even it I, it didn't really click for me until uh, the end of the episode that we see that he is writing Donna mm-hmm. a note with the money um, but we don't get to see what's on it and I didn't really think anything of that until the end of the episode obviously we see fucking Pete, Pete take this package from Don's desk while he's pretending to be him and fulfilling these idiotic fantasies of his, um, that the person who's going to get to know what Adam's last words to Don were is fucking P. is just doesn't deserve it at all. Beyond. I mean, who would steal I someone's
0: mail? I mean, on the one hand, who writes it's personal? It
1: is a it felony. Is. <laughs> and
0: who just writes personal across the box? But at the same time, I will give Adam the benefit of the doubt as he was obviously not in clear minds. Pete does not have that excuse.
1: Yeah, but if he wouldn't have written personal, it could have been taken as, like, comedy yeah. mail, and then, like, some poor lady in the oh. mailroom room would have had to open this. I'm just worried that this is going to be something that Pete is able to, like, lord over Don. Oh,
0: head. 100%. I'm 100%, yeah, I... because Pete, for his all idolatry of Don and wanting to, you know, Oedipus him, basically, just, like, kill the father and take his place, He oh, no, I just said he wants to kill the father and take his place and he will do anything he can to do it. He has absolutely no scruples and reservations because he is incapable of actually earning that status and uh Respect that Don gets. Um,
1: yeah. So before Matt made the decision that he um needed rest today instead of to podcast, which is definitely it's the adult, and we respect adult move. Yes, <laughs> um, the choice we all should have made at one point or another. Um, he put a note in the in the episode notes here that I do want to highlight. Um, because he said that he was he, he was thinking about um showing this scene as the first scene of the episode, and it seemed to have. Um, a different tone than, like, I guess what you could call, like, the episode opening, if this is, like, a quote-unquote, like, cold Mm -hmm. open. Um, And then halfway through the episode, he says here that he kind of remembered that this happened, and it just kind of makes everything else in the episode uh, come into sharp relief and made this scene with Adam hurt so much more because life goes on for Dawn and, you know, everyone else. And no one even is, is even aware that Adam died, and, like, he died before... Don's wife, you know, even knew he existed. I know. That last bit was editorialized.
0: Sorry, man. (laughs) It makes you wonder how often Don actually still thinks about him, too, because assuming Pete eventually reveals this to him up until that point, you know, he won't even know what happened to Adam. He won't seek out any answers. He won't check up on him or anything. And that's... People passing away or committing suicide without anyone there to like remember them there's always just going to be like a heavy weight of tragedy to that and that's what happened to Adam who is this like the sweetest person to be on this show above the age of 18.
1: And I just thought while you were saying that um you know Don isn't thinking about Adam because he told Adam to run away and start a new life and it's unfathomable to Don that someone wouldn't do exactly what he said. Like, Don believes that he can be out here controlling people's behaviors and their emotions. And it's, you know, it's not something that's going to cross his mind that Adam would disobey Mm -hmm. him in this way. So in his mind, you know, he did the right thing. Adam's living a great life when that couldn't be further from the truth. Because it's
0: what Don did, technically, Mm -hmm. except Don's also miserable.
1: And I think it just highlights some of uh i don't know if it's like a whole delusion but thinking about the stuff that happens with betty in this episode like it just this is uh, highlighting you know don's delusion of being in in such control over himself and the people around him
0: yeah everyone else is just as miserable as he is if not more but they don't have the wherewithal that he does to try and as you said control the control everyone around him control the circumstances control how he feels or thinks he feels. I mean, in many ways, you want to be more like Adam, but the world is so unkind to him, including his big brother that he worshipped. That's like a just a like a blanket that just kind of weighs on everything without you really being aware of it.
1: So that was the opening, um, and there's a whole lot of other things that happen in this episode. <laughs>
0: there's a lot of uh, frustration and people wondering, and uh, there's a lot of. Um, fantasizing I think and thinking about the future and uh people's sort of mortality and I think it is really interesting that when Roger comes back Pete seems really put off, like really put off by all of it there's something about him that just doesn't quite think it's as as jokey and funny as the other guys and like Adam he looks up so much to Don and I don't know where I was going with this (laughs) No, I think there's just, like, a weight of, like, the mortality and the just this greater sense that not everything is just going to be okay.
1: Well, yeah, and the other guys, when they think that, you know, Roger's in ill health and they're saying, you know, he looks like death and, you know, there's another scare with his health in the episode, I think the rest of the junior execs, if you will, um, they're not too bothered Mm -hmm. by this because they kind of understand that if Roger dies, or if Roger steps down, Don will move up, and that creates space for them all to move up. Um, it's different for Pete because of this antagon- um, like antagonistic relationship that he's had with Don in the past. He, I think, kind of has an inkling that if Don had his way, that Pete would be fired, so if Don becomes partner, uh, Pete doesn't think that there is much hope for him mm-hmm. moving up in the company from that point, so... um. Yeah, he doesn't. I think it's just wishful thinking. If we don't, if we don't joke about Roger, and if we take this seriously, then he won't die.
0: <laughs> he is such a he's such a child in that sense, and and that's a really good point because his relationship with Don and the fact that he, he is so mediocre that even if Don wasn't as petty as he, Pete would be in that position, he probably
1: which Don is petty and we Don
0: know is this. Don's like low key on like on the sly petty but even if it were based on merit pete knows he would not advance based on merit alone because he sucks
1: right pete tries to convince the other junior execs that don doesn't have the merits to be partner and they're all <laughs> like buddy <laughs> what are you talking Just about because
0: you say it doesn't make it true pete no uh yeah and uh speaking of frustrated women <laughs> Pete's secretary Hildy played by Julian (laughs) I, I mean I think she's one of these actresses who doesn't quite fit period piece there's something about maybe it's because I saw her first on on Supernatural but there's something about her that just doesn't quite slip into the period as easily as the other ones do but I think that plays really well in her frustration with the environment of the workplace and having to work for someone like Pete so when she starts becoming really sarcastic and sassing at him when he's like hey please ma- let me know when this is happening she's just like over it and making all these comments being all I'll just sit here and watch the door that's all I'll do and you she doesn't drop like you don't see it on her face at all um I don't know she's fantastic I love it I was here for it I'm here for it
1: like Pete knows that she's being snarky I think probably because he knows that he's being an asshole. But just on the surface, I'll sit here and watch the door. That's all I'll do. Like that's not, that is what he was asking her to do. So yeah. <laughs> it's not like he really has grounds to like call her out on that. It's so great. I almost wanted um, to put Hildy just in her own category for <laughs> this discussion, just for how much I loved that. Line. I didn't
0: remember <laughs> her being so prominent uh, in this in the show when she was here uh, in the first season, but. I love how you have seen her progress more and more with being just tired of everyone's shit and just now giving it back. At first, it was just kind of like, I'm going to stay out of it. But now she's giving it back. She's technically still very professional.
1: Yeah, she's got a smile on her face. She just. Yeah. She just wants to do her job. Can you guys let Hildy live, yeah. please?
0: <laughs> let her live. But Pete automatically knows what she's doing and snaps. Just automatic rage at this very suggestion that she might not want to do his bidding
1: well and then at the end of the episode he leaves his empty glass on her seat like god pete you are the Let's worst talk
0: about pettiness one more time pete petty pete
1: pete <laughs> yeah and i mean the last thing that really is important for pete in this episode is that he takes Don's personal mail and Uh, you know, we already kind of talked about this, but I'll also say that it is a bummer that this is where Pete landed in the episode, because I actually think that he handles the interaction with Don and Roger's office pretty well, and with, um probably as much grace as he could possibly muster because, you know, we know that he's worried that if Roger dies, he'll be out of the company or he won't be considered for a promotion and the way that he meets Don in the office, they have a civil conversation and he just says, you know, I hope you know that my hat's in the ring and Don says, well, I do now, which is kind of snarky of Don, but I think it's mm-hmm. fair. Um, so if that is where we left Pete, I think that I, you know we would maybe be feeling a little better about Pete in this episode, but the fact that he takes this mail and leaves the glass on Hildy's desk, like, no, sorry. It's him at <laughs> his
0: worst. He, it's, it's so frustrating, too, because these are moments where he, he shows a hint of, like, humanity, of potential of being, like, a better person, but he's, like, at this weird crossword between wanting to succeed for whatever reason he thinks he needs to for not, for constantly, if his entire life, not being good enough, And just not actually being the talented, amazing, like, wunderkind that he thinks that he is. It's, I want to sympathize for him. I do. But also, I dislike him.
1: Yeah. He's hard not to dislike. He makes it um... real
0: hard to like. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Pete. Um, Again, I will give him and actually the other boy some credit. Because after... Peggy gives her presentation to to uh to all of them about her account or her assignment?
1: Her assignment.
0: Not account, she <laughs> does not have an account yet. She has an assignment. They almost include her in their awful jokes, not in a way that victimizes or targets her. It's almost like they're slowly letting her into the inner circle and then they actually are gracious and compliment her work. In a genuine way with no like backhanded comments or any hint of sarcasm. Even Ken Cosgrove is purely sincere when he tells her that she did a good job.
1: Yeah, Ken fluctuates a lot in his characterization. I feel like the show's maybe not a hundred percent sure who they want that character mm-hmm. to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause even as recently when was uh when was his short story published? I liked that Ken.
1: Yeah, me too. But like the he was the one that was going the hardest Mm -hmm. on talking about, you know, Peggy's weight in that episode. So gross. So he's also really awful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're still trying to figure out the middle ground between like how gross he was in the opening episode, in the pilot episode, in the elevator, to Mm -hmm. this guy here. But Peggy did a fabulous job and she is uh, kind of on the rise in her work. And we can actually see that bleeding into her real life now. She goes mm-hmm. on a date with a man, and he isn't Pete. And I mean that as a complete compliment.
1: Yeah, this is someone that her mom set her up with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. How many how many times have we had a similar phone call with their mom when you're like, I I can't be on the phone right now. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I'm am a I'm 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 an adult. Thank you, mom.
1: I'm, I'm this reminds me of still to this day at 28 years old I'll sometimes call my mom in the middle of the day and say what you doing <laughs> and she'll say I'm I'm working <laughs> what do you want
0: <laughs> it's me me and my mom text and it's the same thing going hi how are you I check the weather where you are yeah. make sure you dress warm I'm like I've been at work for three hours now <laughs> thank you
1: but I d- did bring a goat. Yeah. yeah I checked the
0: weather too I have an atma
1: there's an app for that Um, yeah so she goes on this date it's a truly awful
0: date it's painful it's painful even when they're still trying to make it work it's I've had more chemistry with like a door
1: (laughs) (laughs) or a washing
0: machine Uh, um, (laughs) maybe I'm not that close to my washing machine thank you (laughs) <laughs> we barely see each other.
1: But uh, somebody in this episode uh-huh. is.
0: Uh, But, I mean, it is nice that she's trying and she, ac- he's kind I of adorable.
1: didn't necessarily take Peggy saying, so you drive a truck, as insulting, mm-hmm. but I think that maybe her date did. How did you feel about that when it happened?
0: I did it did peg to me that that might be taken the wrong way, and mm-hmm. it probably would have been fine if she didn't keep talking. If she didn't keep talking about her Manhattan friends and all the stuff she's doing, and I'm sure probably it could be all totally innocent with her talking about all the stuff she's really um, proud of and her own success, and it could also just be his insecurity coming kind of uh, coming to play and his own wounded pride but i think it was just like a combination of everything that maybe afterwards he's like yeah hmm. it's
1: kind of yeah and it is kind of a bummer because the stuff that she's talking about are things that she should be proud of it just seems like this maybe wasn't the right person especially given that you know uh I mean, he is who he is, and we find that out on the day, and that it was somebody that, you know, from her quote-unquote old life, this is someone that her mom thought that the old Peggy would be interested yeah. in, but now we this is Manhattan Peggy, so I think she's really trying on that Manhattan thing and seeing if it fits and kind of realizing that she would rather be that person than uh, shrink herself back down into someone that this, you know, truck-driving, you know, down-home boy would be... Interesting.
0: It's not uh, It's not exactly a new concept or a new story that we haven't seen before. It's, some, you know, the girl comes from a small town, even though she's just from, like, where is she from? Brooklyn? Um, going off to see the big yeah. city and seeing bigger things. And she's not exactly wrong that, you know, people in Manhattan are going to be more ambitious and that she's striving for more. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the people who stayed behind are backwards simple folk. Uh, and I can imagine right. that he's encountered that a lot of times before so that may have made him more sensitive to it maybe
1: and like heaven and i don't want to put like words in his mouth but just given like the writing on the show and the time period like heaven forbid this like woman thinks that she has more going on than. oh you yeah
0: certainly i mean even nowadays you still have uh, men who are uncomfortable with the idea of their wife or female partner were making more than they were right yeah, so I don't think either of them are necessarily wrong, but I don't think any of them were as as the best they could have been in that situation.
1: It's just a bad. Yeah, match. it's not a good date. <laughs> it's not
0: good. it's not good because who can fault either of them for their dreams?
1: Yeah, and like speaking of speaking of making money and living your dreams, we've got a couple interactions with um Don and Peggy in this episode that I actually really like um. He is like seems to be kind of taking on a mentor role mm-hmm. with her. He gives her a little pep talk saying, like, you know, think about it really deeply and then forget about it and like something will pop into your head, which we've seen that this is the way that Don works. So that's the advice that he had to give her about uh thinking of advertising campaign. So in that and he actually he gave her that advice without anything in return, mm-hmm. which I think is something to note and
0: uh, a really nice dynamic between them. I, like I agree because it is um, more like seeing her as a person, seeing her as a coworker, not just an underling who's going to do anything for her. Like, when was the last time we saw him do that with one of the boys? Never. Never. No, there's actually something happening here. This is someone who wants to be here and who actually wants to do good work. And yes, she's a woman, but we're still going to let her have it just because she's here.
1: And this can be contrasted also with the way that Don treats his wife, uh, Betty, which we'll talk about that more later. But I think that is something to think about as well.
0: That is interesting. It is kind of interesting to see how Don deals with women in business making it on their own versus... Betty, who is dependent on him on in, on several levels, that's you're right. There is also a moment where you can see him very without without any mal uh, malicious intent or anything like that, or or being petty and and sassy like he is with Pete. When Peggy requests some office space and maybe even a raise kind of he says to her you presented like a man now act like one he's telling her ask for what you deserve ask for what you want and just see if you're gonna get it or not and it's kind of it sounds kind of brusque and maybe a little uh sexist to be like no you should be more like a man but it is true that even nowadays women are still statistically less likely to ask for a raise and um and being given one is a separate matter entirely, but w- we do tend to try to, like, beat around the bush and undersell ourselves a little bit, like, in general. So I do love that he's like, no, ask for what you deserve. Maybe you'll get it. Maybe I'll be able to give it to you.
1: Right. So. But his own wife is not allowed to ask what she wants for it, but okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wives aren't people, Melissa. Tough.
1: But in a right, but in a vacuum, I do really like this dynamic between Don and Peggy. Um, I like that he's giving her advice. I love that he actually um, does come through for her and gets her raise and uh, works out how she's they're gonna get someone to cover her desk while she works on her copyright assignments. Um, yeah, no,
0: it's great. It's great, and I was genuinely impressed how she manages to talk around the the their major selling point for this rejuvenator machine
1: Uh-huh. I was getting a little uncomfortable in their like big meeting with everyone because um he knew already what she wasn't trying to say because she was already not trying to say it to him and he was kind of like, "Oh, I see." <laughs> Um, right, moving on. So, I was getting a little worried that they were going to, like, we were going to see her be made to discuss that outright in that particular group of men, mm-hmm. but then, you know, Don covers for her there as well. Yeah,
0: he has, he stands up for her more than once in this episode, doesn't he?
1: He makes, yeah, and he makes that jo- When they're talking about her weight, he, I, does, I think he may say it to i guess i Freddy. don't know who he says I think it was too, he says oh okay he says you know oh maybe she should get on your you know exercise regime of sprinting out <laughs> of here five to five every day
0: i was actually yeah no it, i was almost surprised that he made that joke because he made it so like offhandedly in a friendly way it wasn't pointed or defensive but it did turn the conversation away from her it was like gently protective mm-hmm. I do hate that her weight has become like a plot device. Oh,
1: the way that you said "protective" made me think of another thing about Don and <laughs> Betty and Don and Peggy. More later. Yes, more like- later.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that is one way that Don shows he cares,
1: right? But the- and the thing is, is like that actually is protection comparatively. Um, And then with with what Betty is calling Don's protection is actually possessiveness, Mm -hmm. which is a whole entire other thing. And they shouldn't be confused. P.S.A.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Because, I mean. It's very clear that Peggy's not someone who can be possessed, even with Pete and her fixation on him. It's there's no possession there whatsoever. She is her own person. Even sometimes she makes really dumb decisions, and she tells herself that it's her choice. I, I don't think I think Don realizes that he can't own her. He can maybe manipulate mm-hmm. her a little bit if he chooses to, and he can cultivate whatever um, potential she has. But unlike Betty, who's dependent on him, that's it's so different, and it is really interesting to see the contrasts.
1: Here's a thought that isn't giving Don a lot of credit. Is the reason that he's cultivating um, Peggy's, you know, strengths in the office based on the fact that he doesn't find her sexually attractive? Is this coming back to her body
0: again? I mean, possibly. It may not even be like a physical thing. She may, he may just genuinely see her as um, as a girl, as a coworker, just off the, their natural chemistry.
1: Right. Well, and because of her position as mm-hmm. someone like, uh, you know, underneath him or like brand new to the workforce. So, OK, we can give to we can to give that. him that one. I will <laughs>
0: say, though, that I was less kind to the other men because, you know, like I said, I give him credit, credit for for being so um, professionally friendly. With them with some actual boundaries uh, at the end of her presentation, telling her how great she did and sort of in- explaining the jokes to her, not in a condescending way. But it's kind of like, is it because she's actually proving herself or is it because they see her as less as a sexual being because she's gotten quote unquote fat?
1: Right. Ugh. And it's probably.
0: I want to believe it's the first one. Both. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, we would love to, but. That's
0: not the world we <laughs> live in and that's not the world we're watching.
1: Right. And before we stop talking about Peggy, I do want to just, like, shout out Peggy for taking some of her power in this episode, um, both with her career and, you know, with her personal pleasure. Um, She asked Dawn if she can, when Dawn comes to tell her that, you know, they're going to be getting someone to cover her desk so that she can have more time to work on copywriting, she asked if she can tell Joan herself Mm. you know the medium is the message just the way that joan specifically wanted to tell betty um you know messages from the Mm -hmm. men earlier in the in the season and then again um at the end of the episode we see her purposely seeking out pleasure with the machine uh so good for her i love it
0: i remember her initial reaction when she tried it too and she's like "Whoa, no but she's embraced it (laughs) (laughs) yes it's funny you mentioned
1: well she wasn't ready she wasn't prepared yeah
0: she had to go on a really crappy date first to realize she doesn't just need a guy for the sake of it
1: right well and people want to know if there's going to be like happenings in their underwear
0: it's probably like i don't match.
1: think she expected uh, that I... machine to do what it did the first time she put it on
0: i love that that just became the whole thing
1: i know it's great
0: no, it's funny you mention her um, wanting to take her own power with uh, with Joan and and show off a little bit and put almost put Joan in her place because that's it happens at the beginning of the episode when Peggy's on the phone with her mom and she sees Joan and she's like, "Are were you listening on my phone call?" And Joan just immediately immediately snaps back with, "Oh, you mean on your personal call?" Just like as a reminder, Joan is the professional. This is her domain. But she kind of gets to turn it around on her and that's that's kind of funny.
1: Yeah, it's great. And like to be honest, Joan is having kind of a hard day.
0: <laughs> yeah. We will we will let her have that one. Um not great for Joan to just lash out against people though just because she's stressed out, but it is a hard day.
1: No. No,
0: Rogers come to come back for like an hour and only an hour.
1: I don't even think he made it.
0: To the <laughs> I hour. don't think so. He probably showed up like ten minutes before the meeting and he was down ten minutes into it.
1: He should have really not lit that cigarette. I mean, come on, buddy. What do you thinking?
0: It's not not a good look for for Roger, uh, but I will say a lot of people are very dumb when it comes to their health. Yeah. We do live in a very work-centric culture here in America, and it's not, I think, unfair to say that it it comes from a long history of workaholism.
1: Well, yeah, this was 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's gotten better, (laughs) you know? We've only gone, you know, more insane for capitalism since this time. And
0: New York City is the, the epicenter of a lot of it.
1: Yeah, so I was surprised kind of um, to see Joan caring so much about Roger when he came to visit. Um, We see her initially, um, you know, asking Don how he's doing, but even at that point she can't admit that, like, she is personally invested in his well-being. She says, oh, you know, tell him we are all worried Mm -hmm. about him. But I think that... We as viewers know that she has a personal stake Absolutely.
0: In this. And I was um, like do you think she was, uh, that's not so much a question but when she first appeared into the office uh, to do Roger's makeup the way that Don and Cooper react when he says hey hun made me think that they didn't really know about their relationship.
1: Yeah which is I was kind of thinking that maybe Cooper did Mm -hmm. know. Um, and then the first time I watched this episode, I like had gotten distracted when they walked out of the room before she says, "You know, can I kiss you?" And I thought that she did that right. (laughs) I was like, "Oh shit, we just straight up do not care anymore." And then I watched the episode again, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's not
0: (laughs) that makes more sense now." (laughs) But that is probably the first time we've seen her initiate any anything. Beyond a professional relationship to him, isn't it? That I can think of.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of sweet when Roger was like, oh, I don't think I can handle (laughs) it. Oh, he's gross. (laughs)
0: He's so gross. I mean, even in his, like, sweet, almost sweet moment, he just takes it and then he just brings it way down.
1: He can't help himself. He has to go just far enough that you're like, oh, never mind. It's hard
0: to think that he's just not that gross person. And you'd like to think that Joan isn't into someone like that. But yeah, it's just it's annoying that he has to be this performative and act like this gross person um, who thinks he's hilarious, even alone with this person that he has offered to leave his wife for. Freaking Roger. He deserves his heart attack. That's mean. I didn't mean that. But I do a little bit.
1: I mean, okay. I'm not mad. No,
0: but this is one thing we did agree on. To me, there was like a a, a finality to it, to his conversation with Joan, that read to me like they were, he was like ending their relationship. But you didn't see it that way, did you?
1: Yeah, um, I, not on first watch. And I kind of see it that way now that you've pointed it out. I kind of thought that he just wanted to take this opportunity to, like, let her know that, like, um, like, even though I ended up this, like, sickly person, and even though, like, I can't see you as much now because I'm, like, stuck at home convalescing, um, which, side note, ever since I had my hip surgery, that's what I've been saying I'm doing, (laughs) is convalescing at home, (laughs) um, but i just took it as him you know wanting to take the opportunity and say like even though this is where it ended up like i don't regret anything and you know like i do care about you i do see since you pointed out that this does seem like um him like ending things but in a way to let her know that like he doesn't regret anything that's not why he's ending things it's just uh, oh, probably a little too difficult at this point to have a whole affair. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but I can also see it your way, too, because it's not unfathomable for someone whose life was potentially at risk who walks into his office after, you know, however long he's gone and still looking like crap uh, to be taking stock and making these, like, I should have told you this one before I almost died kind of conversations. Although, let mm-hmm. us not forget when he had his heart attack, he was with another younger woman and was moaning her name while he was on death's door. And that, yeah, a hey, name yeah. that was not Joan or his wife's.
1: Hey, yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, just, I actually laughed when he was having his second heart attack when he was going, again.
0: <laughs> that's literally what I was just about to say. It was. It was, it's not funny, but it's really funny. It's kind of funny. It's pretty funny. It's oh, like, <laughs> God damn it, this... Uh, and everyone in the room is just sort of vaguely reminded of their own pending mortality. That's fun.
1: Yeah. Um, before we recorded, Matt sent us some little tidbits uh, and trivia. Um, and one of them was that the line, I'm glad I got to roam those hillsides was originally, I'm glad I got to be inside you, Um, but it ended up being censored, and then Matthew Weiner, the show creator and the writer of this episode, actually ended up liking the censored version better, and I also like the censored version better. Roger is a shitbag, but he's not often outrightly vulgar. And so I think that this fits much better with him as a person, but it also reminds me how... When Mean Girls wanted to say a PG-13 movie, they had to, in the line where they say, they ask, is your muffin buttered? It originally was going to be, is your cherry popped? And that got censored in order to keep their PG-13 rating. Oh, God. Which, you know, the alternative is awful. It is. (laughs) In both cases.
0: Definitely way too direct and vulgar is a great word for it. I still dislike Matthew Weiner for writing the original line in the first place.
1: Yep, he's a trash person, uh, and yeah, his trash ass words coming out of Roger's mouth aren't mm-hmm. shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do have some more stuff from Matt in this section. Um, he think thought that you know this line, this little conversation between Joan and Roger was almost sweet until Roger, you know, finishes his thought with the hillsides, making it you know all about the sexual component and who John is. Um, you know, on the outside and, you know, just that one aspect of her as a person and, like, not who she is as a person, not her personality, not, you know, anything else that she may have brought to their relationship, but just the sex, which, yeah, Roger's yeah. trash. So uh, a, a lot of men just trying a <laughs> uh, swing and a miss in this episode. A
0: more forgiving reading would be that, you know, all the stuff he said – about not regretting her or what they had was just so open and vulnerable. And that's not something he is used to doing or is comfortable with doing. And Joan is probably the only person he's gotten close to being that person with. He just sort of remembered himself and had to like build up the, macho protectiveness oh, oh
1: just kidding I'm I'm gross don't forget
0: <laughs> yeah it's like so you're not gonna miss me right because I'm disgusting but you know she is because you couldn't Christi-
1: he's just trying to make it easier for yeah me.
0: wow what up pal what a nice guy but like you could see it and and Christina Hendricks does uh, a beautiful job in, in in her stillness and what she does in that moment of you could just see it like just she looks so young and so broken in that moment for me But as she's like trying to walk away and he's kind of stopping her, you can just see her building up that own protective shell around her as well and making the choice of like, not going to let this affect me, going to move on, bye. Good scene. Gross words, good scene.
1: Yeah, wonderful acting uh, by Christina Mm -hmm.
0: Hendricks. Now another woman who doesn't quite get away.
1: No, but she does take some power. Power. So I do want
0: to. She is dreaming of more (laughs) things. Uh, she's someone. Right. We start off on on, on that. The episode starts off with Betty alone in bed, and she looks amazing as always. Nightgown, bright oh. light, that
1: glistening in her sweat. That, yeah,
0: that heat wave <laughs> glimmer <laughs> that she's got going on. But she, of course, she looks hor- she looks completely and utterly alone. Uh, Dawn's half of the bed is com- empty, and at some point, she's just like. Okay, I guess I'll go to bed. There's some there's yeah. so much missing in her life that she wants and that she's waiting for and she doesn't always know how to put it into words, but it's it's manifesting more now. It's we're able to see more and more what what she wants, although I feel like it's been fairly obvious until now.
1: Uh yeah, but I think that we've been able to see more mm-hmm. of it, but I do enjoy that like uh you know her desires are kind of like breaking through out of her subconscious Mm -hmm. into her uh like into the front of her mind and i don't think that this is something that she's going to be able to turn back from so i think that we're only going to be seeing more um assertiveness out of betty in the future after this Mm -hmm. episode
0: it's kind of exciting great
1: yeah Totally exciting. The
0: therapy is working. (laughs) Is Uh, it, though? Uh, So when we see her the next day, she's looking amazing in her negligee. Still, just around the house. And everyone's sweating. And there's a knock at the door. And someone is trying to sell air conditioning. Because uh, someone is a very good salesman who understands uh, supply and demand.
1: Yeah, and it's like, I never thought that this one air conditioning comment from so many episodes ago was going to come up so many times. <laughs> this is great. Uh, Yeah, you have in your notes here, Um, you know, that we don't actually see the salesman's face until he comes into the house and the camera kind of pans up. And I just knew, <laughs> I knew he was going to be hot.
0: <laughs> they were leaving you in anticipation. I wasn't sure if he was actually going to come in or not or if he was just going to be like, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> I. Knew I knew this guy's face. I was like, this guy's from the CWWB show. I know it. I know it. I thought it was charmed at first. It wasn't. I looked it up. It's Ethan from Dawson's Creek. He was Jack's first boyfriend, sort of, kind of was. I don't remember all the details. All I know is that he made out with Jack, but it made me really excited.
1: One of my screams to Maddie when I was watching this episode was um this is just three consequential text messages <laughs> it's not looking good for old don i'll stab him in an alley i would be betty's reckless friend telling her to sleep with this <laughs>
0: <thing>. <laughs> she needs another friend other than francine who'd be like who who would super judge her and make her feel bad for it and then tell all the other housewives about it
1: yeah it's too bad that she uh, ruined it with old helen Yeah, helen She'd probably be on her side. Helen would definitely
0: help her hide it. Now, we have had Betty try to, uh, I mean, uh, we've had Betty keep strangers from her house before. Uh, Helen's ex-husband was trying to borrow her phone, and she's like, no, I don't know you. Bye. But this stranger, she just lets right on in to take a drink of water.
1: Yeah, and I read, um, these are kind of two things. That, hmm, I don't know exactly where I'm going with it. but when she would and let Helen's husband into her house, that read to me as more, um, like, protecting Helen and mm-hmm. making that sort of choice than being like, oh, I don't let strangers into my house. That was, like, an empowered choice of her saying, like, I'm going to protect, you know, this other woman that I have a friendship with over this man telling me what mm-hmm. to do and when she lets the salesman in the house that's like another empowered choice like yeah you can come into my house and I will give you a glass of water because I am a nice person and my husband who is a dickhead isn't even here i
0: yeah totally agree i love that i love that i also love that you could see that it's like a series of choices it's not just all one big choice like maybe don likes to think that he does when he's cheating on betty it's just okay, uh-huh. I'm gonna let no, I don't want to hear your pitch. Yes, I will let you in the house. Yes, I will get you water. Yes, I'll listen to what you have to say. Yes, I'll i t- I'll start leading you upstairs. No, we're gonna stop And this. they
1: almost made it to the bedroom. Halfway <laughs> up the stairs.
0: Everyone's already sweaty. <laughs> I was going to say, I just, I, I loved while he was giving his spiel, because he knew that all he had to do was get into the house to, like, talk about all these things, and maybe he was just think- actually thinking just about air conditioning, but I love how you could see the looks that she's giving. She's like, yeah, I'm looking at the window. No, I'm looking at your profile. It's a good profile. It's like a good solid face right there, and everything else is fine, too.
1: Well, and he's like a tall, dark, and handsome man in a suit, just like her husband mm-hmm. would be if he were ever around.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's... <laughs> in a way trying to like take care of her housely needs
1: he wants to give her an air conditioner which is something that don refuses to do
0: <laughs> this is a need you have i am hearing you and i am providing it
1: or he wants to provide her with the empowerment to get her own damn yes air he condition. even like ex- air conditioning is a euphemism
0: for yes sex. <laughs> for satisfaction and he's even going to explain things to her, like an equal going, "Yeah, that over there, that's where cold air escapes." I'm going to explain it to you without condescension.
1: Yeah, and he says, "Oh, I can write it down on an estimate for you to give it to your husband," but even that didn't feel condescending. It felt like he's a good salesman. Like he's reading what her objections are, which is that her husband makes the decisions, and he's saying, "Oh, I'll just set you up for that too." He's like, uh, "Yeah." Can we get a show about this guy? This guy.
0: This guy can read a room. Yeah, um, this guy's probably slept with I a lot meant, of housewives.
1: Yeah, well, and then Betty tells Don about <laughs> him, and I think maybe uh, she was doing it specifically to get a rise. Oh, for sure, maybe
0: because <laughs> she tells Francine later. She's like, when she says, "Why did you even tell him about it?" And she says, "Oh, it just came up." But when you watch her do it, she has this look on her face like she's waiting and she's thinking about it as she's saying it aloud.
1: Well, because it feels like she was about to, like, proposition him, like we've seen her do before. And then she says, oh, yeah, I mean, it's hot anyway. And then she's like, oh, yeah, speaking of it being hot, I looked at another man today. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that, Donald? I let
0: another man to my house. He offered to to fit my needs. Unlike you. <laughs> Unlike you.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, I was cringing whenever Francine said, oh, I can't even remember her stupid husband say whoever would break my arm I'm like you all all of you need to go to a fucking support group because this is not normal no
0: it's not great it's not great and what when you know uh, Betty not defends I mean she kind of defends on being like oh he's protective like oh he actually just well, cares about me well the thing is me,
1: is but. she yeah she almost looks like that's like a virtue mm-hmm. but I think I mean, what Don is being is possessive, mm-hmm. not protective. And you know, I already mentioned that you can see Don being protective with Peggy, which is a thing that we like, and him being possessive with Betty, which is a thing that is trash.
0: <laughs> For real. For real. Because.
1: Like, you he's like, oh, you let a stranger into my house? Don, you put your literal dick inside a stranger, okay? <laughs> so many of them.
0: So what you're saying is, like, Don sees this man's air conditioner as a figurative dick, and the house and his wife (laughs) is his stuff?
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, Betty's just another possession. Uh, But poor Betty, who is so, in many ways, still so naive about what a relationship and love can and should be. She mistakes it for being protective, and she mistakes this for love right. and caring about her. When we right. saw very early on in the episode, she, he doesn't. He acts like he does, but um, that's poss- mostly for show. I'm sure he cares about her for real, but I don't.
1: And it's just such a bummer to like think about like what a screwed up person Don Draper is that we see him interested in and respectful of and intrigued by empowered women but when it comes to his own wife he's like oh hell no like you can't be any of these things that I like and respect in a woman and it just why are you like this? I
0: don't know. But he sort of plays out I mean I guess we'll talk about it later. I was gonna he, he kinda plays that role starting to play that role a little bit with with Rachel Who's coming to him with her, her worries and fears and he's being, trying to reassure her and everything like that. But he can't be that person for Betty, it seems.
1: And it's just like so
0: backwards, sir. Like at the end of the day, he actually seems to come straight home after work, after getting some promotion and he tells her, Like, Betty's the one that he tells about his promotion and when he gets good news, and that should probably mean something. But even then, she can feel the distance between them. She tries to, like, get near to him, but she feels that wall up and is kind of shook by it, but just kind of brushes it off and goes on. And it's so sad that she is this person who really wants to be loved and wants to be loved by the person who promised to love her until they die.
1: So the washing machine. The washing
0: machine. I forgot about the washing machine scene.
1: Um, I didn't know about the washing machine scene, but I was very happy that it (laughs) happened. Shout out, Betty.
0: I, yeah, I literally wrote in my notes, I'm disappointed for Betty that the laundry finished before she did. (laughs) But it was a very good scene, especially for Betty. I
1: think that we all are. Um, yeah, and this scene takes place right after they're laughing in the meeting about Mitch's attractive wife using the rejuvenator, (laughs) um... And it seems like it's just an example of, like, women are only allowed to take their own pleasure if what it really is is for a man's pleasure. Mm -hmm. Because when they mention Freddie's wife using the machine, it is not funny. And I honestly can't tell if it's because... Freddy's actually present during the conversation or because Freddy's wife isn't traditionally attractive. Cause that's kind of the explanation that they give Peggy about mm-hmm. the joke. Oh, Freddy's wife. It doesn't look like Mitch's wife. Like, and that's why it's not funny. Like I'm confused because none of these jokes are that. Oh, funny. Ken thought it was but hilarious. Like, in reality, though. Ken's a more, well, cause Ken doesn't get these stupid rules. Like <laughs> I'm almost on Ken's side. Like, If you're making, if you're connecting dots between these jokes and laughter, like, I'm confused. (laughs) But I mean,
0: well, it's sort of insinuating that Freddie isn't taking care of his woman or that she would prefer a machine. She doesn't need a man. Uh, And what does it, Don, say something about how they've been replaced or someone else says that?
1: Freddie says that which is even like not funnier but even more interesting yeah but
0: he gets so mad he
1: didn't even put those together until Ken (laughs) yeah he gets so (laughs)
0: mad at the mere suggestion like suddenly everything is real now and he's not gonna stand for it which it's I just think it's so funny how some men find that so emasculating and the sheer idea that they're not needed is so right. well, angering and
1: like in reality it's all of us that should be laughing at all of these idiots because not a one of them can please their wives not even roger and all he would have to do at this point is stay the fuck home
0: that's probably a not to yeah
1: yeah, and, like, regardless of attritional attractiveness, like, every woman has the right to fulfillment in their own marriages and to take pleasure for themselves if they want it. And, you know, by their own metrics, like, Dawn is no better than mm-hmm. Freddie. I, you know, I don't exactly know where I'm going with all this. <laughs> but the just the positioning of these two scenes felt very intentional to me. Like, oh, we're all laughing about the fact that, like, women are not you know are going outside of their marriage to object to vibrating objects for pleasure and then we see like oh saintly godly dawn's wife is doing the same thing absolutely
0: yeah like it's hilarious to them (sighs) the idea that a woman would want some you know be okay without their man until it's like a real possibility and then it's horrible
1: like why do you think any woman is having sex with any of you explain this to me and see if we could just work this out together Uh, they're all a bunch of idiots
0: it made me it reminded me of um this like fantastic genetics professor i had in college it was a really weird english degree that i got but uh i remember him saying to us one day being uh just i don't even know why it came up we were talking about X, y chrom- the X and Y chromosomes and stuff, and he said that being biologically male is uh, a genetic aberration, basically. It's a defect. The, the, ba- the default human is female. Because, like, the X chromosome, you are incapable of life uh, with a, without an X chromosome. Y chrom- chromosomes is, like, tiny little bullshit thing. <laughs> That's basically the exception. (laughs) And if you don't have one of those, if you just have one X chromosome, you're fine. You're female. You're fine. Whatever. You can live your life. Um, And I think about that sometimes in these representations on screen when men can't even handle the idea that they're not the end all be all of all things. (laughs) Uh, Also made me think of... In the olden days, ye oldie times, like in the heyday or an uprise of psychoanalysis and Freud, when vibrators were basically invented to treat, quote, unquote, female hysteria. And they're like, no, this is a really good treatment because women be crazy. And this help, like, releases all the crazy (laughs) energy. And then they can focus and everything. And the women are doing super well with this treatment. They come every week. (laughs) I should have worded that differently. LOL. Um, there's even a really funny, well, cute, okay-ish movie uh, called Hysteria, star- starring Hugh Dancy and M- Maggie Gyllenhaal, that shows the sort of fictionalized invention of the vi- of the electric vibrator, because at first it was like a hand crank machine. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous stuff here, guys. Real highbrow. You're welcome.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've ran out of things to talk about other than, you know, the dumbass himself, gone. <laughs>
0: I always feel like sometimes we circle around back to him because there's just a lot. It's a lot dealing with Don directly.
1: Everything always comes back to Don.
0: But sometimes I don't want it to.
1: (laughs) The world revolves around Don.
0: We get mad at him for acting that like he's the center of the universe, but he kind of is.
1: Yeah, and it's almost not his fault that he thinks that because everyone treats him that way. Even the show. Yeah, I... It's all matthew Weiners.
0: <laughs> and i i mean i know i know people like don who just are this carry this like weird air of self-assuredness and confidence and knowing themselves and charisma that you can't help to constantly want to be close to them or to seek their approval even if they are like a mess of insecurities just like every other human being but it also just drives me crazy when we first see Don, he is in fact not in bed with his lonely wife. He is in this like rich richly warmly lit bedroom on the same side uh of the bed basically as Rachel. And it looks very nice. Uh aside from the fact that he's cheating from on his wife.
1: They have this conversation and she says, Or, you know, I don't even remember how it comes up, I guess. But he says, oh, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I'm just like, ah, are you? You have two young children. Like, you don't think you're supposed to be with your family? Mm -hmm. Like, where are you getting this, like, supposed to narrative from?
0: She's rightfully expressing her concern about where the relationship is going to be going, I think. I think she, I think that's what she was saying She's worried that all of this is just a fantasy, that, the, you know, she's going to wake up from this, like, dream where she's, like, super into this guy who's really hot and who's into her and um, makes her feel amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, but I do think that she's giving him way too much sympathy. Like, she says, like, this is hard for me, but only because I can't imagine how hard it is for you. Who cares? He did whatever is hard for him. He did this to himself.
0: It's sort of classic. Like,
1: it's not like he's a fucking martyr.
0: <laughs> it's sort of that classic, like, rationalizing that this is almost like a Romeo and Juliet kind of situation. She, They have to sneak around for true love because the world doesn't want him together. It's... I, kind, I hate seeing her like this because I want her to feel like this with someone and be so really happy and find this super hot dude who's just, like, really into her. But... I don't want it to be like this. It's tainted by its very nature. It's tainted because of, of his situation.
1: Yeah, and she deserves so much better. than.
0: hmm And we see her later talking to her friend, explaining, you know, she's seeing this guy, this guy, <laughs> who's married, <laughs> and nothing has happened.
1: Yeah, and she knows that, like, she has to lie to her friends about this because... Like, she knows that it's like a fucked up situation.
0: Mm-hmm. She's a smart lady. She knows what's going on.
1: Ugh, yeah, I just don't see this really ending well for poor
0: Rachel. No. And in general, the women in the show and in life will get the worst end of this kind of situation. There was a moment, though, when he said that he's right where he's supposed to be, and his hand, and John, Han, John Ham's hand just like runs into her boob on the way to like reassure her oh. and like brush like her the middle of her chest instead and I just like oh my god I feel so bad for female actresses sometimes I'm sure it's awkward for yeah, the men do you have too any but... concept
1: of like where your body is
0: I'm sure it's uncomfortable for the men too but just like Ugh, I'm so sorry.
1: I know. Mm. Especially knowing like what we know about Matthew Weiner and so it's like I don't really it's not comforting to me to think about, like, them shooting these scenes, like, on that
0: set. Yeah, I mean, we've heard some very wonderful pro-feminist things from John Hamm uh, mm-hmm. over the years. We've also heard some dumb things from him, too. And, I mean, no matter what, just accidentally brushing against someone's boob is going to be, like, a weird situation to begin with, let alone in a, prof- quote, quote, professional right. situation.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't, I mean, I feel like we're getting, like, deep into the weeds. In the <laughs> grab, but I definitely... Out the director was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Side grab the boob. <laughs> well, it, that's what people like in bed.
0: <laughs> it made me think of that scene in um, Casino Royale where James Bond—sorry for the spoilers, guys—but James Bond pulls Ava grain out of the water and like tries goes to do CPR, and she's wearing this dress that just like stuck to her body because she was soaking wet, and uh, she, you're pretty certain she's not wearing bra, and you just see him accidentally like grab boob, no, chest compressions now, and you're like, "Oh, I'm." very distracted oh. from you trying to save her life now. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I assume that was a scene you didn't do more than once. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I just had that fun tangent for you. <sighs> but, uh, as with Don, despite while, while things aren't going so well for Adam, Dawn seems to be just uh, on and rising on up there.
1: Yeah, Dawn's having a pretty good day at work, I mean. He gets made partner, but he also still has to keep his old job, so, like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he doesn't even get his name on the sign, like, but he does get a 12%, you know, pay increase, this is great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's awesome, and He still gets to make his uh, his demand of no contract.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. So... It seems like he's got uh, Burt Cooper right where he wants them. But also, you know, Sterling Cooper, the company, has Don right where they want him to. You know, he's going to be the partner face for the customers. So hopefully they're not going to lose any clients over this Roger or mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but Don doesn't really actually seem like he's going to have actually too much responsibilities to do with this situation, considering, you know, his name's not going on the bar and he's also keeping his old job. yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, it's kind of nice that he gets to be object- objectified this time around. But.
1: Yeah, we're just, we're promoting you for your face. That's
0: fine. It's a fine, fine face. And he knows it.
1: He gets his promotion and he, uh, you know, pays it forward. He goes back to Betty and says, well, he originally says that she can leave at 430, but that's the best he can do. And she's like, whatever, man, I have work to do. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. You can have her right? <laughs>
0: it's almost like he's just like he's in such such a good mood and he's so generous because he was uh on the receiving end of such good things that he's actually passing on which i thought was very decent of him uh i do wonder if he would have said yes even if he hadn't been offered partner um
1: you know i want to say he would have Um, you know, but to cl- to close out the episode, we get Don doing our very most favorite Don activity, <laughs> which is calling Betty's therapist and participating in HIPAA violations. Um, and he basically says that the therapist isn't doing his job and that you know instead of getting stronger she's getting weaker he says at one point this has nothing to do with me it's her and i am just screaming at my tv like what do you mean it's her what like you guys are a partnership you're Mm -hmm. married like you don't pay any attention to your wife and you're having multiple affairs what do you mean Betty's mental health has nothing to do with you? Like, how are you living in this delusional-ass, like, It's nice
0: to think that he has nothing to do with it, but, I mean, in general, when people are being, acting needy, it's usually because they need something. Now, sometimes they're not always seeking exactly what it is that will meet that need and help them get past it, but there is something there that they're not getting. And as his, as the provider... Of the family and the man who likes to think that he's taking care of his family it's kind of bullshit to be like it's not my problem that's someone else's problem that's her problem
1: like don is essentially neglecting betty and like i don't mean like neglecting her like in the abuse Mm -hmm. sense i mean like he literally is ignoring
0: emotional sexual and
1: he uh, yes he's ignoring her needs he's ignoring her as a person and then to turn around and say like i don't understand she has feelings like you are a moron
0: like part of me wants to be like what if you just asked her not that i think she's quite at the level where she has the emotional intelligence to verbalize it yet but i mean it would be a start
1: right and it's just like so frustrating because it seems like this phone call is precipitated by um betty like turning off the tv and like kind of looking at don like silently asking him to go up to bed with her Um, and then he calls the therapist and says like, oh, she's weak. Um, your wife wants you to go to bed with you when you haven't even been home in a minute. Like, yeah, super weak. Like, what? You're her husband.
0: It's almost like not feeding someone and being like, I don't know why they're acting so hungry all the time.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, Don just has no concept of the fact that his wife would also be one of these women with their own thoughts and feelings and sexual desires and needs to be met.
0: You know, Don would absolutely be one of those people calling millennials snowflakes. Cuz here he, he 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 would, would. cuz like here he is being like I don't understand why people are so weak and why they're not just not like dealing with their shit and moving on and being successful just like me. But look what I mean to the most extreme degree That's how he treated Adam, and he's, and Adam comes to his tragic end, and that's basically what he's doing to Betty, too, and that's not where you want to see her go down, you know? I think it means something that we started with Adam at the beginning of the episode and end the episode with Betty.
1: I agree, and even when we see Betty in this episode try to take some things into her own hands, because she's thinking to herself, Oh, I want to have sex with my husband. He won't because it's too hot. We need an air conditioner. I'm going to facilitate getting an air conditioner. Oh, wait, roadblock. He's going to yell mm-hmm. at me. Don and Betty dynamic is so endlessly frustrating to me.
0: It really is. And you, you just can't blame her for her fantasies. I mean, Rachel has No, her... I wouldn't blame her <laughs> if
1: she straight up did sleep with that salesman.
0: <laughs> I mean, I pardon me did kind of think she was going to.
1: I would have loved it. It would have been great. I would have loved She would
0: have gotten so much shit for it if she got caught. Like, way more than he w- will be. But uh, Well, maybe next oh, summer. One can only hope. Mm, I mean, they're going to need uh, an air conditioner in the spring. <laughs> I mean, she's got her fantasies. Rachel is afraid that her relationship with Don w- is is just one. And you just kind of, like, have to wonder about all these women who are sustained by their fantasies. Which,
1: hmm. yeah. relatable. Yes, it is.
0: That is the dawn of it all.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we did it as far as main episode, which brings us to bits and bobs.
0: <laughs> Still makes me laugh.
1: Uh, I know. It's great. We've got a couple things here to talk about. Um, my thing that I definitely wanted to make sure we mentioned was... Um, how awesome Mona is when she goes up to Bert in front of the tobacco man and says, I used to think that you couldn't put a value on a human life, but I never asked Bert Cooper. And then, you know, he tries to say something else to her and she just says, go to hell, Bert. I'm like, hell yeah, Mona, you tell him and definitely don't even care that there's this client right here because that is what Mm -hmm. they did. The two of them together put this working relationship and this consumerism over you know valued over Roger's actual yeah. life and you know they almost lost that yeah. gamble.
0: Roger is a shitty human being, but he is still a human being.
1: Yeah, and he has a wife and a daughter who you know mm-hmm. need
0: him. So it, I do love that Mona is this uh, absolutely amazing woman and I will give Roger this again giving a lot of these men probably more credit than they just than they deserve in this episode, but Roger does have a type. He really does like women who know their own minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of it. Yes, he does. He gets tired of them and moves on, but still. Good taste. Good taste, bro. Uh, All I really wanted to talk about is just how unbelievably warm everyone appeared and how uncommon air conditioning it especially in October was back then. Nowadays though it just seems like October is all hot all the time. It was in the nineties when it was October where I am. It was miserable. How times have changed. Global warming
1: Yeah, it's super funny because it actually snowed on Halloween in Chicago this year, but like that's also not a normal weather pattern. Okay, so still global warming The last time I remember
0: (laughs) snow on Halloween I was definitely in grade school in Ohio times they have a change at least something has changed since the the 60s next time matt will hopefully be feeling a lot better and able to join us because we miss him
1: yes so much and (laughs) we will have another special guest Our first special guest ever that we will introduce to you all next episode when we discuss Nixon versus Kennedy. Um, Until then, Annie, where can we find you on the internet?
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PopArtery, P-O-P-A-R-T-E-R-Y. You can also find me in my other show, my other podcast, The Daily Nightly, where we are basically just having a fun old time reading through Jane Austen. We just finished Sense and Sensibility and talked about the adaptations and are looking forward to *Pride and Prejudice* next. How about you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mellow yellow um, which is m e double l double o yellow. And you can find me co-hosting the *Wild Pretty Things* podcast. Our most recent episode was um, a rehash of our favorite TV of 2019, so that was a really fun episode. Um, that should be going up shortly. Uh, yeah, you can find us all together, Matt included, at Still Great Pod on Twitter. And if you like the show, please rate and review it so more people can find it.
0: And if you want to tell Matt to feel better, he is on Twitter at Matty M A T T Y H U G H. And we'll be seeing you guys next time. Yeah.
1: All right. Bye. obligatory cabins on boys (laughs) kissing on Steel Cray Fab.